peace of Christ be with you. Christ is risen. risen If you're new to the church, no shame in that, but that's a little call and response. We dust off just once a year, long enough for you to forget it. So whenever you hear in the service, Christ is risen, you simply respond, Christ is risen indeed. So Christ is risen. Just a housekeeping note as we get underway. If you were here for Good Friday, you'll notice that we did what's called stripping the sanctuary. We take it away from it all the appointments that make it feel like a holy space as a way of entering in in a bodily way to the grief of that day. So we remove the candles from the sanctuary. We take the Bible from the sanctuary, the, the lid off the baptismal font, the cup for communion and the plate, and we drape the cross in a black cloth. There are some who will then, during the opening hymn today, process those in so you can keep your eyes open for that. And this is your cue for those of you who will be doing that during the call to worship. Just make your way to the back. Now as we settle in and as others continue to come into this place, let's take a few moments and make a little quiet to take a few deep breaths and to be drawn into the presence of the living spirit. Friends, let us worship the living God. Please rise in body or spirit and join me in the call to worship. Who will roll away the stone? Christ is risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Because Christ is risen. Why are you weeping? Christ is risen.
may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to Westminster on Easter morning. It is good to be with you. If you're still looking for seats, like good Presbyterians, we have room in the front. So you're welcome to come down. The first couple pews are, are still open and available. Um, also, when our kids leave for Sunday school, that will open up some more space as well. But it is good to be with you. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. I know for some of you, this may be your first time back since the pandemic. Special welcome back to you. It is good to be here together. We are vaulting into the 21st century, and we've included a QR code in our bulletin. Uh, if you scan this with your phone, either now in worship or maybe when you get home, it'll bring up a form where if you're new, you can uh, give us some of your contact information and we can be in touch with you. If you have a special prayer request or concern, you can put that in. Anything that you put on that form goes directly to Rob and me. And if uh, you'd rather not do that, you can just write it right in the bulletin and either put that in the offering plate or hand your bulletin to Rob or me as you leave. But we would love to be in touch with you. Finally, after worship, an invitation to join us out in our garden area. We have coffee and tea out there and especially a chance to get to know one another just a little bit better. So join us, maybe find someone you haven't yet met and introduce yourselves after worship. So will you join with me now in our community prayer? Let us pray. Christ is risen indeed, and we look for signs of life. We look for signs of life where death seems to have prevailed, among the desperate, among the broken, among the unfair, among the unhealed, among the Prayers continue now in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news that Christ is risen. The old has passed away, and we are called to a new life of forgiveness and of reconciliation. Yes, God forgives us. God loves us unconditionally. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now, having prayed together in one voice with our community prayer, now is the time that you are invited to share the joys and the concerns that are on your heart today. That way we can be in prayer with and for one another. So if you have something to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, Forrest. Amen. 
So prayer of thanksgiving, uh, Forrest's wife Deborah had surgery just last week and it went well and she is doing well and he was offering thanks for all of you and all of your prayers. Others? Yeah, Clark. So let me make sure I get this right, because that was beautiful. Uh, joys for the courage of the people of Ukraine and prayers for the family of the martyred. Amen. Any others? Oh, Ruthie, yes. Ruthie is uh, lifting up those who live in long-term care, often a very lonely and difficult existence, also lifting up caregivers in that crucial role. Yeah, Sherry. Sure. Amen. Yes. So Sherry lifting up a joy to be surrounded by family this morning. And I appreciate she mentions both family of origin and also chosen family. And I would guess that would be the same for many of you sitting here today. So amen. Yeah. Yeah, Barb. And it was the same at nine as well. Prayers of joy to see such a full sanctuary, all of us being able to be here together, worshiping, praising God together. Amen. Let's take just a few moments in quiet prayer. I know we certainly come with lots on our hearts and minds, some that maybe is not yet comfortable to be spoken aloud. So just a time of quiet, and then we'll share in the Lord's prayer together. So let us be in prayer. Powerful and loving God, you have raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and we ask that you raise us too. May fresh life burst among us like buds awakening to the spring. Through your spirit, may the growth of hope, courage, and faith be nurtured within each one of us. We pray in the name of your Son, the risen Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power,
Uh, I didn't report this earlier, but I was too proud not to report it. Uh, as many of you know, last week we collected yearbooks representing about 13 to 14,000 middle and high schoolers in Marin County and to pray for every single one of them by name. And I was just so proud because you prayed for them three times over by name last week. So I'm so grateful for that. And now I want to invite any of our children who are worshiping with us to come join me here towards the front. As they are joining us, for some families that may be wondering, where are my children even going? We have maps in the narthex that clearly mark where your kids are going. There will be an activity out on the playground. Our high schoolers are leading uh, the Sunday school with our youngest today by their choice. They wanted to do that, which is kind of a surprise for all of you to get to hang out with, to get to hang out with all the high schoolers. And I want to show you some pictures. I wonder, do you like surprises? Yes. Yeah? yeah? Usually it's a good, yeah, maybe. Soul's right because he lives with me and sometimes surprises aren't good. <laughs> I have a surprise. We have some work to do, Soul. So I have a picture I want to show you. Does anyone know what this is? You knew it really quickly. It's a cocoon. Do, do you think this looks really pretty? Because I thought it looked kind of like a, like something that comes out of your nose on a, that's attached to a tree, like you might have blown. Okay, okay, sit down so everyone can see. Sit down so everyone can see. So this right here, did you know this right here, it turns into this. Isn't that beautiful? Something like that could turn into that. That's pretty awesome. I have another one. Okay, I have another one to show you. So this right here, do you know what this is? This is a lot harder. Nuts. That's what yeah. someone else said, like nutmegs. I didn't know that. But no, they're not nutmegs. They're not nuts. They are kind of seeds. I thought they were garlic. But did you know that these are dead tulips? What? Flowers. And do you know what they turn into? I got a surprise for you. I know, I know. They turn into that. Did any of you know that? Because I don't know anything about gardening that this right here turns into that, which is really pretty. That is an amazing surprise. Well, let me show you another one that is why we do some of the things we do here. This is a broken egg. And why do we even have eggs on Easter? Do you know because there is a surprise sometimes of what might be inside? And so, what, what would you prefer to find in your egg, Brandon? Money. Money, yes. What's a good surprise, Liam? What would you like to find in your egg? Toys, yeah. A $50 egg, all right. Parents, you better start, somebody better start ponying up. So, yes, it's kind of a surprise to find what would be in it. Well, one of the reasons we do that is because last Friday we remembered the time that Jesus was buried. And he would have been buried in a tomb that looked similar to this, where there was a, a big rock rolled over to kind of keep everything safe inside. I saw that. And then there was a huge surprise when on Easter Sunday it looked like that. And they said, what? How did that happen? 
that's a surprise. So we are going to go have some more surprises, find out how all these things connect, which is kind of a surprise. You can follow my friends Ben and Jeff outside. And before you go, we're going to walk calmly. And again, parents, there will be a, a hunt of sorts on the playground. But before then, if you're ever looking for your child, we have these in our church every week. This is my son, which is why I'm ignoring him. And which will tell you where your kid is going. So let's go in peace. Go now in peace. Our first reading today is from the prophet Isaiah. Listen for what the Spirit is saying. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter Zion. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord, Long ago, my people went down into Egypt to reside there as aliens. The Assyrian, too, has oppressed them without cause. Now, therefore, what am I doing here, says the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away without cause? Their rulers howl, says the Lord, and continually, all day long, my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, on that day, they shall know that it is I who speak. Here am I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices. Together they sing for joy. For in plain sight, they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted the Lord's people. The Lord has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared the Lord's holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Our second reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, Suddenly, two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words 
And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle talk, tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The book of Acts of the Apostles, probably better known as Acts of the Holy Spirit. The 13th chapter, verses 26 to 31, continue to listen for what Spirit might be saying to us right here and right now. My brothers, you descendants of Abraham's family and others who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. Because the residents of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize him or understand the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. They fulfilled those words by condemning him, even though they found no cause for a sentence of death. They asked Pilate to have him killed. When they had carried out everything that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised Jesus from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now his witnesses to the people. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. A word of thanks to begin to the worship committee for all the work they did in making this a beautiful space. Starting before Palm Sunday and throughout Holy Week to today. And to our own associate pastor, Bethany Nelson, who the Thursday before Palm Sunday, when one of the other pastors, who will remain nameless, was on vacation, uh, drove uh, all the way to Fairfield herself to retrieve the palms, which had been failed to be delivered to the church. It's just, well, yeah, it's just been, uh, it's been that kind of couple of years, if you know what I mean, where... It just takes extra effort to make things happen, to pull something off, to make things look and feel and be beautiful. Unless you think that's the church missing the point, getting caught up in all the trimmings and the trappings and the flowers. No, that is the point. It's very deeply the point of this day. Martine Prechtel, who's a shaman, so obviously from another tradition, talks about how making beauty for the holy is our vocation. That's our work, is to make beauty. Now, how's that for a redefinition of productivity? Carry that into your week. Your job is to make beauty for the holy. Always make beauty, he says. In his collection of sayings, Rescuing the Light, he says, when you have a question, be beautiful on the way to the answer. That is the answer. That's our work. Some years ago, we had a speaker, at, speaking of shamans, speaker at the church who had spent a lot of time in South and Central America. And he pointed out that where traditional Mayan cultures uh, intersect with 
Christianity, you'll often see the cross represented with flowers coming out of it, budding plants blooming from the cross. And the symbolism for them is that the cross becomes the second tree of life from which new life emerges. All of creation is redeemed and restored. I hope you had a chance to participate in the ritual of flowering the cross on the way in or do it on the way out if you'd like. That's a common tradition in churches in the States and has been for some time. And what a beautiful symbol it is for today. I find it a nice balance uh, participating in that act to the act that we often participate in as Christians on Good Friday or Monday, Thursday during Holy Week when we find ourselves implicated in the story of the crucifixion. So maybe you've been to a service where, for example, when the story of the crucifixion was read, the congregation was invited to shout out along with the people, crucify him. If any of you grew up doing such a ritual. I understand the thinking behind that. There's so much has been uh, written about and talked about in Christian theology about how all the sins of the world are born on the cross. And yet sometimes I wonder if we've just leaned too heavily into that and forgotten our divine calling to also make beauty. I remember I went to a Good Friday service where we all one by one came forward and hammered our own nails into the cross ourselves. I followed a classmate of mine, a seminarian who had been a carpenter, so it was doubly meaningful for me. Thinking of the great carpenter and this carpenter also made me self-conscious about my nailing abilities, but that's a different, that's a different sermon. But we implicate ourselves in the crucifixion all the time. Why don't we accept the invitation to be part of the flowering of the resurrection? It seems to me if there's any task that's worth signing up for and giving our lives over to, it's that one. Making more beauty for the world. Some of you may have come here looking for proof of the resurrection. Can't quite give you that. Hope you find it, what you need. There are preachers who will tell you they can give you that, but see for yourself. All I'll say on that front is that the earliest writings in the New Testament clearly have passages attesting to the resurrection. And those who wrote them clearly held it as a central tenet of their faith. And it's undeniable, no, not even a historian would deny that the early followers of Jesus had an experience of him after he died. Now you make of that what you will. I mean that in more than one sense, actually. Make of that what you will. And maybe you're not feeling it this year. Or not feeling it yet. I had a friend who last week about Wednesday confessed, interesting word, that uh, she wasn't feeling resurrection-y yet. She's a pastor. These are the kinds of things we talk about. <laughs> How resurrection-y are you feeling? She's a, she's a pastor. She's also a mother. And she said she couldn't stop thinking about mothers in Ukraine. And in particular, she shared with us a, a report of Ukrainian mothers at the beginning of the day as part of the morning ritual, writing contact information on the bare backs of their children in permanent markers. 
Imagine if that was part of your morning ritual with your child. Now, I'm sorry to bring you there uh, on a day like today, but that's where some people are this very moment. That's the real world in which we live. That's the world out of which those flowers grow. You know, in that creed that we say when we do baptisms, one that I know some of you don't like, by the way, that says he was crucified, dead, and buried, and he descended into hell, the part that some of you don't like. I don't really love it either. But it's an important reminder. Another way of saying it is those flowers come from somewhere. They come from somewhere deep. They come from the ugliest places in the world. They come from the deepest kind of suffering and struggling and subjugation. That beauty's been earned of those flowers. It's our vocation to make beauty. And the reason it's a calling is because that beauty stands in such stark contrast to some of the ugly that we so often see in the world. The violence and the hatefulness and the hurtfulness. That's why we have to make it. Beauty is our defiance of that. And holy beauty is resilient. It comes back. We should regard as a miracle every time a flower comes up again this time of year after it's been wiped out by death. Every year it comes back. It's not just up to us to make beauty. We're called to be open to the reality that God has surrounded us with beauty all the time. And part of our vocation is to notice it so that we can join in with it. Holy beauty, it comes back. It's resilient. It's fierce. The great teacher of Celtic wisdom, Philip Newell, talks about, he says, uh, anything that's of God, though pushed to the ground, will come up again. It comes up again. Part of this moment is recognizing that. People have debated ad nauseum why Jesus had to die. Did he have to die? Well, he had to die. Why? To satisfy an angry God, to atone for our sins, to fulfill some prophecy. You know, maybe he just died because it was a natural consequence of standing up to authority. But he had to die. But maybe what we should really be talking about is the inevitability of Jesus' resurrection. Because the truth is he had to get up because he's of God. And that which is of God always gets up. That's the testimony of this day. But they didn't recognize him. You heard that reading from Acts, that those who watched him in his life who had the language system to understand him, didn't recognize him. As we don't always recognize the holy in front of us, we should implicate ourselves in that. This is not a finger-pointing moment. It's a heart-opening moment. How easy it is not to recognize the holy in our midst and therefore not call it forth. And we'll be surrounded. The world is filled with people who don't want to recognize what's sacred and honor it as such. And we'll fall into that trap ourselves as well. But on this day of all days, having heard these testimonies passed down from generation to generation to generation, can we not at last recognize that this one was of God 
and this one got up. Are we still looking for proof? Clarence Jordan was born in 1912 in Talabotan, Georgia, rural Georgia. Seventh in a family of ten children, raised in a Southern Baptist home. And it was in that Southern Baptist home that he learned about racial equality, is borne out by the gospel. But when he looked around at his community, he didn't see that racial equality being lived out. And he couldn't stop wrestling with that. So he, he recommitted himself to the tradition and eventually earned a PhD in New Testament and wanted to dedicate his life to taking the Sermon on the Mount seriously, more seriously than many who proclaim to be Christian. He went on to write the Cotton Patch Gospel of Matthew and John, which set the story of Jesus in, the, in early 20th century rural Georgia. Imagine what Jesus would have to say. Imagine what Jesus would have to say here. That later went on to be adapted to a musical called the Cotton Patch Gospel, written in part by Harry Chapin, uh, not long before he died. But that wasn't all Jordan did. Jordan went on in 1942 to found Koinonia Farms. Koinonia is a Greek word. It's found in the New Testament. It just means community or communion, sharing, participating together. It's got an intimate connotation. And Koinonia Farms was just that. It was a communal living situation. It, it uh, practiced sustainable farming, but not just that. They did the hard work of peacemaking during some of the most difficult years in this country's history. And they dedicated themselves to housing, giving people meaningful homes to live. They gave birth to an organization that later became Habitat for Humanity. All born out of Jordan's sense of faith. And when Jordan talked about the resurrection, this is what he said. The proof that God raised Jesus from the dead is not the empty tomb. I mean, you can empty a tomb. But the full hearts of his transformed disciples. The crowning evidence that he lives is not a vacant grave, but a spirit-filled fellowship. Not a rolled away stone, but a carried away church. For a long time, people debated about whether or not Jesus' body had just been carried away. And so in the New Testament, they had to make sure they, were, they, they closed off that option. His body wasn't carried away. But we are obsessed about the dead body of Jesus being carried away. Perhaps we've forgotten about the living body, which is you, getting carried away by the gospel message. What would it look like for us to get carried away in resurrection spirit? To get carried away in this community of being a refuge for young people who live in a world that's increasingly impossible to navigate from the perspective of mental health, emotional health. What would it look like, not for us to do that a little, but truly get carried away doing that for the young people here, not for our sake, just for theirs. Not so they'd be Christian, just so they'd be okay. What would it look like for us to get carried away in helping promote a sustainable world where people could have a place they could afford to live in, in a world that's increasingly hard to afford. Afford to go to the doctor. Afford to send their kids to school. What would it look like to get carried away in that? What would it look like for us to get carried away as a spiritual community, 
dedicated to being a sanctuary of people who are desperate for a spiritual home, not where they're judged or told they're bad or fundamentally wrong and need to be fixed, but rather that they're recognized for the beauty that they are and that they have and invited into flowering into greater beauty. What would it look like for us to get carried away in that? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? It might not work. It might fizzle. It might even die. But we're Christians. We're not afraid of death. If it's of God, it'll come back up. If it's not, it's not worth our time. 2017 Hurricane Harvey wreaked havoc on Texas. Some of you were there, I know. Something miraculous happened. Uh, in Corpus Christi, nonetheless, which is fitting, meaning the body of Christ. Something tragic happened to a, the Rojas family. Uh, just before the hurricane landed, their house caught fire. And so when they returned from being evacuated, they found out not only that the water had come, but so had the flames, that their house had been completely reduced to ashes. Totally rubble, all gone save for one stone statue of the Virgin Mary. You can see pictures of it standing there. Now the temptation is to say, oh, what a miracle. God spared the statue. That means God didn't spare the home. No, the miracle is no matter rubble or ash or standing stone, we all have the capacity in us that that statue represents, which is the ability to birth the holy. We can give birth to the divine into this world. We can and must make beauty. And that capacity is resilient. It endures. It is strong. It comes back when knocked down. So it's not that the storms won't come. It's not that you won't be opposed by those who don't want to or can't see. It's not that you won't fail in seeing or doing yourself. It's that precisely in a world where mothers write their information on their children's back in permanent marker that we can and must give birth, that we can and must fill this world with the fleeting beauty of flowers. That's what it means to believe that Christ is risen.
You may be seated. As always, there's a lot happening in the life of this congregation, and we want to warmly invite you to participate as you feel led, and so I do want to highlight a number of things today. The first is on May 1st, we'll be having a committee fair after the 10 o'clock service, and actually probably a little bit in between. I know nothing says party like committee fair, <laughs> but I assure you it's cooler than we've labeled it. The reality is the church only happens through the organized efforts of the people. And tons of people come together. I think I once counted it takes like 60 or 70 people to pull off a Sunday. So that only happens through people coming together to be responsible for various aspects of the church. And all that's done by folks like you, many of whom are here. So uh, on May 1st is just a chance for you to mingle through Finley Hall in the community building, meet some of the people who lead those groups, figure out where an interest or skill set of yours might connect with a need of the church, and to get uh, involved in that fashion. So we really encourage you to be there. It should be fun and a chance to learn more if folks are eager to connect with you, I'm sure. Secondly, on May 15th, another exciting event for the church. Uh, it'll be an evening, or ap late afternoon evening of music, of fellowship, of just rejoicing and being together after we've not been able to be together as much uh, for so long now. Um, we'll be featuring musical acts from the congregation. And I promise I will not sing, so that might raise attendance. Uh, the, the purpose also will be to invite you into learning more about the Legacy Fund, which is an important ministry of the church. It's an endowment that helps support the ongoing operations and, and fund special initiatives of the congregation. And we'll be teaching about what that is and why it matters to the church and being inviting, uh, inviting you to prayerfully consider remembering the church in your estate plans. You're not going to have to put a number down or be put on the spot in any uncomfortable way. It's just about opening our hearts to the importance of making a lasting commitment to the church. Uh, third, we'll be leading a what we're calling a pilgrimage to Zephyr Point, right, right on the south shore of Lake Tahoe, May 30th through June 3rd, where we will spend the, our time doing some spiritual practices, some nice fellowship conversations. We'll be doing some hiking that will also um, sort of imbue with some spiritual and nature practices to connect more deeply to the land and one another and our faith through both. Uh, and we've had a couple people drop out, so we actually have three rooms that are open, either for singles or for couples, so if you're interested in that, please see me as soon as you can so we can get you signed up. Uh, I, I know several of you are heading from here over to Voyager Carmel to serve those with special needs on this holiday, as you always do on special days. I was told to erase my announcement because we have enough volunteers, but I do want to thank those of you who are going, either those of you who cooked or those of you who will serve uh, and eat with those folks. It's an important ministry. So thanks to Randy Heiser and others who have done that. And finally, next Sunday, April 24th, after the 10 o'clock service, is the beginning of our dreaming together of what's next for Westminster, a new chapter for the church. We spent a long time working very hard to, to fix up and expand that building. We're already enjoying the fruits of that. We've cooked in that glorious kitchen a number of times. We're having more and more groups meet here. And now it's time to finish the job there, to pay off that nasty debt, and dream about what we can do when we're released from that. And we need your help in doing so. So next week there'll be a presentation by a consultant who's helping guide us through that process. 
The presentation piece is only about a third of our time together next week. The rest will be conversation, inviting your priorities, your passions. What do we want to be about and how will we support that in the next chapter of this church's life? So please come right after the 10 o'clock service next week. If for whatever reason you can't be here, we will live stream it and record it and then send it out so you can watch it and then you can give us your feedback then. We're really going to build our case together, so we need your participation in that. Ruthie mentioned a little while ago about those in care facilities. I might encourage you to reach out to someone you know who is unable to be at a church on a day such as this. Uh, Ralph Cole, our last living World War II veteran, I believe, turns 98 today. And he's in Villa Marin, couldn't be here, not really up to being in a place like this. Think how many are like that and how they would so like to hear from you today. Would you rise and body your spirit for our closing hymn number 245?
a word before the blessing, uh, after the benediction, uh, we will join in, if you'd like, in the singing of the Hallelujah Chorus, and there are scores available, so when it's time, we can pass those out. Advantage of wearing a mask is no one can see when you're lip syncing, so <laughs> make your own decision on that, but please do stick around. But as you go from here, whenever you go, be this your first Easter with us, or God forbid, be it your last. May you go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit this day and every day. Amen. Amen. So if you brought your own or your Gaga score at the door, or if you just remember kind of how it goes, Charlotte has you are welcome to. Oh, there are a few copies.